everybody it's lovely over here in chattanooga i know all you up in the northeast uh struggling a bit with that air quality up there hopefully it's getting better i actually have two guests from uh new england on today port of boston and uh a gentleman from rhode island a little later so hopefully things are cleared up for them but before we get to all of that a little education for everybody my buddy ed mapes he took a walk around his truck yesterday and gave us a little education how a loaded semi works okay, let's learn something we can carry a total of eighty thousand pounds 12,000 pounds on the draw on the steers. 34,000 pounds on the drives. And that fifth wheel, I'm able to adjust it forward or backwards to move the weight. Now, back here on the trailer tires is another 34,000 pounds. Now, under here, you see that pin? There's another one back there. I'm able, all those holes, I'm able to move these trailer tires forward or backwards. Now this mark for California and Florida is supposed to be in the middle of that. That's trucking. All right, everybody have a good day. You have a good day too, Ed. I hope you make more video of these showing around your truck. It uh, helps the ground, especially for like the brokerage side of my listeners who don't get to see this all the time. They talk about it. They talk about where the axles have been but they don't always get to touch the truck. So thank you, Ed. He said he did have one correction, though. He said the yellow marker on the trailer is the 40-foot mark for California. I set the rare trailer tire in the middle of the rim. I'm illegal in all states. Well, good on you, Ed. Um, by the way, people have been asking, where did I get this dog shirt at? This is my dog, Randy Savage, on my own Hawaiian shirt. Summertime. All you out there having a Hawaiian shirt Friday, take your ass to Etsy. Look up, like, personalized dog shirt, I think it is. And they're, like, 35 bucks shipped. It took, like, I don't know, like a week for it to arrive. Really, really, uh, really good stuff. Gotta love e-com. Anyways, on the show today, on deck, I'm talking to Port of Boston's Lauren Gleason about Conley Terminal's expanded global connectivity. We'll find out how this New England shipping hub has grown from seven calls pre-pandemic to over 30 ports now. A little cowbell for you over in Boston. Nice leadership. Highway's Jordan Graft. He's going to share his founder story. He's going to talk about how his firm is doubling down and fighting back against double brokering. We'll We'll get all into that. And then we got A. Dewey Pedals, John Lucini. He's going to talk about the art of transporting beer and liquor. We'll learn how the company earned the Brewer Supply Group Carrier Award, what's going on in the booze market, and how to handle freight in this space. we got a ton of stuff to get to. But Jordan is here right now. Jordan Graff, CEO and founder at Highway. Let's bring him up, man. Jordan, how you doing? Good, Dinner. How are you doing? Good to see you. It's good to see you. Where are you at? Where are you hanging out today? What part of the world are you at? Oh, we're in Dallas, Texas. So we're here at uh, Preston Center in Dallas, Texas. All right. So the wind hasn't blown. We haven't gotten the smoke down here in Chattanooga yet. And I'm, you guys definitely have not gotten it in Dallas yet. Now we got clean air out here, man. So all the New Yorkers that want to make a move down to Dallas, Texas, come on in. The weather, the water is warm. <laughs> Texas, renowned for its uh, its clean air. How you been, man? How are how are how are things treating you this spring so far? Good, man. It's been a busy first six months of the year. Um, you know, we had the TIA conference in, in April. And so just coming out of that, we've been running really fast, trying to keep up with serving customers well. And it's been a it's been a good year so far, but definitely, um, definitely busy. Very, very busy. 
you know, our longtime listeners, they probably know you from back in the Triumph Pay days. And they're like, wait, wait wasn't that guy with, with Triumph Pay? What, what's Highway now? Jordan, tell us a little bit about this. Because Highway, did, did you just celebrate maybe a year anniversary, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, that's right. So we're about 18 months in. So I, I left Triumph Pay about 18 months ago and, and started Highway with this vision for creating carrier identity. Uh, for both the, the freight broker and the motor carrier community to allow them to have greater transparency into who they're actually dealing with. So um, when we look at, you know, the problems that we face in this industry, whether it's, you know, double brokering, whatever, that covers a lot of different categories or carrier identity theft or dispatcher services pretending to be carriers. At the root of, the, at the root of all these problems is, is identity. And so instead of trying to tackle like one problem with a, a feature solution, we're really trying to bring and elevate um, the, the visibility and the identity that exists in this industry so that good actors can work together more closely and it helps those that are, are, that are actually good actors, um, you know, achieve better outcomes. So you're sitting there on the factoring side of, of the world. Do you remember when this idea came to you, like when it started to germinate in your mind, when the seed got planted? Did you just have an epiphany in the, in the night and it was the next day? Did, did you, were you thinking about this for a while? Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of a combination of a lot of different experiences over the course of my, of my career. Um, you know, one of the things that I experienced when I, before even Triumph, when I ran an IT agency was, you know, people would build, want us to build an app for them and they'd want to have, you know, username, password, login. And we we're like, guys, don't do that. You know, just use sign in with Google or sign in with Facebook. It drives more adoption. And so that's where, you know, the sign in with highway concept kind of started in my mind when I would look at how brokers would bring carriers into their network. The first was the first problem was there wasn't enough true verification of the digital identity. You know, these these carriers were able to get into the networks of brokers without truly validating that they really had equipment and where that equipment was running and operating. And so, you know, there's a level of protection, kind of like a firewall that we needed to put in front of these brokers networks. You know, you wouldn't operate an IT network without a firewall. And so, you know, the brokers were feeling the consequences, the pain from not having that firewall protecting their network. And the second thing that really came to me was. When I went, when I would talk to brokers, you know, I spent so much time, uh, you know, on carrier sales floors, you know, with brokers. Um, I probably met with over 500 brokers at this point in my career, maybe close to a thousand. And the one thing I always, you know, fascinated me was the lack of transparency into who they were actually interacting with. Um, and did they, did they really know that it was the carrier that they were emailing or the carrier that they were talking to? And, and what would the equipment positioning look like for that carrier? Because those were fundamental things. And there was just a lot of, they were having to do a lot of trusting um, of what was being told to them. And so coming from the financial services background, like you mentioned, you know, we trust, but verify it's, we have to, you know, when you're dealing with people's money, you can't just, you know, trust that someone says that they have what they have. You have to verify that information. And so kind of bringing those disciplines from a past life into, you know, an experience that if, you know, if someone's coming through highways, a carrier, and there's nothing to hide, they're going to have a great experience. It's going to be really easy. But then those that are trying to, you know, obfuscate certain things and maybe not really have equipment, they're going to have a much harder time getting through highway, which is which is what we want. That's what a firewall should do. So why why is because this is the kind of stuff that may not shock us in freight, but I think like more general business listeners would be like, wait, what? Like they're moving so much goods, like the lifeblood of the economy and verification of identity is like it's been a challenge. And there's only been a company around for 18 months that's challenging it. Like, why has it been so hard to verify identity historically in freight? I don't think it's not necessarily that it's been hard. It hasn't been a priority. And I don't think it's been a priority because this industry is still so young. Freight brokerage is only 30, 40 years old at most. Maybe, I mean, and, and, and the scale that it operates today, that's in the last 10, 15 years. 
And so, you know, you look at something like banking, right? Banking has been around for thousands of years. And so the concept of identity verification, you know, were, were, were built into banking systems in the 80s and 90s because those, those are big, broad industries that had real impact if they didn't do that back then. Now we're starting to feel like it's, it is the inflection point for the freight brokerage industry where it's gotten to a scale and a size where it attracts um, people that don't want to commit fraud um, because there is enough dollar volume passing through it. The second thing that's, that attracts them is there is anonymity, right? You're interacting digitally with the carrier that you're wanting to work with. Today, that's via email and phone. And, and right now, if you're not using highway, you don't have visibility into who's on the other end of that digital interaction. And the third thing is urgency, right? So those are the three things you look for when you want to commit fraud is a high dollar value, anonymity, and urgency. And if you can combine those three together, you can commit fraud because, hey, this load has to move tomorrow. I got to do it now. I got to do it now. I got to do it now. And, and that makes is where people make mistakes is because they'll skip steps or they'll they'll look, overlook something because of the level of urgency. And so those three factors is what's driven this to be necessary in the market today. So how do you get a company like Highway off the ground? <laughs> a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> um, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a lot, man. You know, and it's just I, I, you got to pour your soul into it. And and you can see uh, behind us is our COO, uh, Brittany, and she she poured into it as well. And, and uh, so it takes a lot of effort in the beginning to get it going. And what's exciting is when you finally get that, my brother talks about getting the snowball to the top of the hill when it starts rolling down. That's when it starts to become really fun and fascinating. That's where we're at right now. We're finally starting to get that ball over the top of the hill and starting to get that momentum uh, compounding as it rolls down. But um, it was a lot of sleepless nights. A lot of staying up till 2 a.m., getting up at 6 a.m., writing a lot of code. I'm a developer, so I've written a lot of highway. And then it's a lot of great people in your network that want to take a bet on you. So like some of those early, early people that joined this team took a bet on who we were and what we were going to do. And, um, you know, you have to have that group of people that's willing to go all in before the, before the thing has even been created. And um, we were blessed to have that, that team. But, you know, I love the early days of, of startups, too, especially when you, you get past a little of that anxiety because you got the smaller teams, right? Everyone's rowing in the same direction. There's no silos yet. You're not on multiple different floors. Not everyone's, like, all over the world. It's such a fun, fun, unique time. Um, have you had to – now, you're 18 months in. Have you had to pivot at all? Most companies don't start exactly the way they thought. Have you had to make any changes? Oh, absolutely, man. Uh, if you look at some of our early conversations with brokers, I mean, we had such a big vision for what we thought we were going to do. And like, we've really narrowed that down to focus on, you know, this, this kind of this identity and this firewall protection for their network. Um, there's still a lot more that we want to accomplish. So um, our pivot has definitely been more like, hey, focus our effort, focus our energy to create more impact in what we're trying to do. And, um, but, you know, we've really stayed true to like, a lot of our initial vision, which is we want to be a great freight tech provider to freight brokers, not shippers, but freight brokers. We believe that we need to serve the freight broker community well and have one master and not try and serve our customers customer. We believe in that like religiously here. And um, the second thing that we've stayed true to is we want to have it to be a great experience for those that are acting out of the, that are good actors, right? We want people to have a great experience when they go through highway and, and making sure that carriers don't have to go through a lot of hoops um, to get into someone's network. And then the third thing we want to do is, is we stay true to is like, man, we really want to make this industry flow better. We, wouldn't be, we want to create success for this industry by removing the friction created by all this fraud and, and nonsense. So those are kind of the three founding principles of Highway, and, and we've stayed pretty true to that. There's definitely stuff that's been, uh, that's been cut along the way. 
So I just joined Highway. It's, it's June of 2023. You've made the pivots. You know what direction Highway is going in. What's my user experience on Highway? How does this work? Or how does this work for me? Yeah, so it's very different for broker and carrier. So for broker users, um, they use their the carrier sales reps and compliance people use the highway tool UI or user interface to look at carriers, to view where carriers uh, equipment is, to view what type of carrier equipment, uh, what type of equipment a carrier has, and things like that. Um, brokers also get API integration directly into highway, directly into their TMS. Um, and so that's where we spent a lot of time in the last six months is building out those TMS integrations. And then for a carrier user, um, it's, it's much different, right? For a carrier user, we're trying to get to the truth of who are you, like, you know, as, an, as, a, as a user, like what we, we like to call your digital fingerprint. And we tie that to a lot of different things. Maybe it's a mobile phone. Maybe it's a corporate email. The second thing is, are you really the carrier that you claim to be? And, and passing, the carrier, passing the user through that, that series of challenges, these dynamic questions to get to the heart of, are they really the carrier? And the third is, what equipment do you actually have? So your experience in highways a carrier is really validating those three things. Um, and, you know, we, we're going to need third-party sources to validate those things. So I think that's what's most curious experience that's different from other, you know, what they would consider onboarding experiences in the past is highway is going to use third-party data to verify claims. We, we don't just allow claims to be made directly in the system. We require uh, an ability to go verify that with third-party data. Very, very interesting. Jordan, I got to ask you, I, I work pretty closely with our founder over here at Freightways, Craig Fuller, and I know that days go up and days go down, right? And they can, and multi, and they can happen multiple times during a single day, right? A lot can happen when you're a founder. It's a psychologically demanding role. Let's start first, though. Let's learn something from you. What's been your hardest day as a founder? Um, I, let, me, let me give it to you in a couple different uh, settings. So one would be technically, right? Like the technically hardest day. Um, you know, we had, we were growing really fast and we had a, a database issue that was caused related to an AWS outage in US East 1. And, and I've been working with AWS for like 10 years. And I was telling Brittany, it was like the one time I stood at, stared at the AWS console, our site was down and I had no idea what to do. And it turned out to be, they had an outage specifically with the database layer that we used. And that was my hardest days because we had hundreds of users at that point. Um, and like, it was down we were getting pinged and there was nothing we could do. And that was probably the most, most, that was probably the hardest day technically that, that I experienced. Um, in terms of like emotionally or operationally, like right now operationally is, is we're having a lot of hard days, right? We we're onboarding a lot of brokers and, you know, we have a passion for being what we call responsive. So to us, um, there's three things that we do to create an effective experience for our customers. We want to be responsive, take responsibility for our, our mistakes, and own the outcome for our customer. And so those three things are hard to do when you're adding a lot of new users and new customers, being responsive to their tickets, responding within 15 minutes to every ticket. Um, and doing that at scale is, is really hard, but it's really a great experience for our customers, what our customers need. Um, and, and that's why I say, it's like right now, you know, we have hard operational days where we're trying to like take on a, a lot of new things, a lot of new customers um, in, a, in a short period. Wow. I'm so sorry. that kind of answers your question. I don't know. I, there's one more thing I'd say. So Lynn Gravely gave me the saying. I want, I want you to have it is he said, when, when I started Highway, he, he came to me and said, you know, he was one of our original investors. He said, Jordan, you're going to have nickel days. And, you know, he's this good old Texas boy. So he has these sayings. You know, he does that. He like, here's a saying. I'm going to tell you what it means. So, so Lynn, what does it mean? And he says, you know, there's going to be days that you would sell this whole thing for a nickel and you just need to hang in there. All right. So I've had a few nickel days.
Well, I, I didn't mean I didn't mean to make you uh, like relive your trauma. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to, to to relive some of the good times. What has been your your best day in freight? What keeps you going? What makes you do this? You actually, I mean, even before you came okay. here, you had a you had a nice job over at Triumph Pay, you know, and now you're out here living this new. You you jumped right back in the fire. I jumped back in the fire. Um, uh, the best day was at the TIA. Um, there was an individual with a broker named GIX. And they've been with us for three or four months. And, and we hadn't heard a lot from them. Uh, you know, they were using the product. And, and he came up to us at the TIA and he said, man, prior to Highway, we were having, you know, I won't say the number because it's, it's his information, but it's X amount of double broken or fraud events per month. And we've been with Highway now. I think it was for three months at the time. And they hadn't had experienced one. And, and it was just, you know, it was like so rewarding to hear. And, and he was just so appreciative. And that, that's what, like, that was, that was the best day. Uh, it, was, it was a dinner at the TIA. And we, and we, I hadn't met him in person. And he just came up and unsolicited offered it to us. And that was really, that was, that was a great day. To know that it was working and to, like, hear someone say, you've changed my business. Like, our, our, our life is better um, after going with highway, that's, that's what we're trying to achieve. That is that, that, that's powerful stuff. And I'm glad you mentioned the TIA because it brings me to my next topic. In fact, just an hour ago, Ann Ranke, the president and CEO over the TIA posted transportation fraud continues to rise, costing the industry an estimated $1 billion. In fact, it's so bad that it's causing people at offices to lash out. Look at what Cindy Lee, the president of Link Logistics, said happened at her office. She said, one of my employees threw the meanest insult today. Your mother is a double broker. Jordan, you and Triumph Pay are teaming up to stop this. Tell us about that. <laughs> I love Cindy. Uh, uh, so, that is great. That is just gold. Uh, Man, okay, so yeah, so we partner up with Try and Pay. Um, you know, so we'll, when we get into when you get into um, info security, right? You want to use as much data as you can from independent sources to create what we like to call insights or the ability to like see something before it happens. And so, what we partner with Try and Pay is to take the anonymized um, data, the payment data, out of Try and Pay um, on carriers and say, hey, here's how many billable miles they ran per week, and then we compare that to what we see in Highway on what. Type of, well, how many power units a carrier actually has. And so, you know, we have examples where we're able to show up to brokers and say, listen, you, you've got a carrier here with two power units who ran 60,000 billable miles last week. That's not, that's not possible, right? So like something's happening, you know, that freight is getting rebrokered out. So you need to get in, in there and, and ask questions. Um, it's been incredibly powerful as an indicator, um, a proactive indicator to stop um, to catch the to catch the the double brokering before it turns into financial loss or reputational damage. So that's it in a short nutshell. A you know, little bit more a, to it, but that's the. It sounds a lot like freight theft. Whenever I have the uh, the insurance guys come on, they're like, you know, preventing the claim or preventing the theft is a, a lot better than trying to recover the freight or recover the theft. And, I, and I'm sure that's your goal too. Is like, let's not make this happen to begin with. It's an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, right? So absolutely. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, I don't, we don't talk about vaccines. You know, we won't we'll use the term vaccination, but uh, yeah, ounce prevention is worth a pound of cure. Well, uh, Jordan, before I let you go, any anything people out there should uh, check out at Highway and where do they find you guys? Yeah, so uh, we're at gohighway.com. Um, so Highway is a carrier identity provider. We don't like to call ourselves a, a freight tech company. We really say we're a service provider to a, to um, our, our customers who are service providers to theirs. And so our goal is to empower our customers to be 
the best versions of themselves and to be responsive and care about owning the outcome of what uh, Highway does for their business. So come check us out if you're interested. GoHighway.com. Hey, Jordan, you have a great weekend. Thank you so much for stopping by, man. Hold it down over in Dallas. Hey, are you going to be in Cleveland in a couple weeks? I'll be there, dinner. I'll come give you a hug. Oh, sweet. All right, man. Bring Reed with you. Or high five. I'll give you a high five. Sorry about that. I'll give a high five. <laughs> I'll bring Reed. Everyone wants to see Reed. No one wants to see me. No, no. I, you know, I, well, Reed used to work here, so he's got a little Freight Waves DNA, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Amen to that. Amen to that. All right. Take care, brother. Be well, brother. Great seeing you. In a couple weeks. All right, man. Meanwhile, all right, baby gate versus cat. Let's see. Who's going to win this one? I've got a cat right now. My wife and kids are away, so I'm, like, taking care of all the animals at the house. And the cat, he keeps bringing me salamanders and skinks. And um, we even got this Rock City birdhouse, and he captured one of the birds. Like, he's just a total menace. Look at that apex predator right there. You can't contain that cat with a baby gate. Ridiculous. All right, let's talk to Lauren Gleason, Chief Administrative Officer, Maritime at the Massachusetts Port Authority. Lauren, welcome back to the show. Hello, my friend. How are you doing? I miss Boston. You know, I just saw your ad on your social media about the, like, the boxes at the seaport, and I was like, man, I don't have it planned to come to Boston this summer, but I kind of want to come to Boston this summer now. Yes, no, come. It's, it's a great activation. It's been a great partnership with our real estate team. So we're really excited. We just had our grand opening and ribbon cutting yesterday. So when you come, give, give me a call on my cell and we'll meet up there. So. You have had a lot to celebrate. This port has grown so much since I left Boston just a few years ago. I was amazed to see the number of ships and calls you've added to the port. Can you talk a little bit about this growth that the port is experiencing? It has been incredible, and we are really surrounding ourselves with a fantastic team um, that really believes in the mission and vision of this port, but most importantly, the customers and the stakeholders that have also believed in this port. Over 2,500 businesses, over 15 million consumers, six ocean carriers, and we've now expanded from seven ports to over 30 that we're connecting to globally. And that's in part thanks to all of the infrastructure investments that we were able to complete which then resulted in all of these great um, expanded connections and global access we are now able to reach on behalf of the importers and exporters in New England. And that, you know, that included the brand new berth we constructed, three new cranes, dredging Boston Harbor, and building out 30 additional acres of terminal landside capacity to expand this reach for us. And some people don't know, you have some of the most unique cranes in the world because of, of the location to, uh, I think when you were on last time, we actually talked about you, you bringing those new cranes in, which are really cool. And it seems like they're paying dividends now because I'm looking at these new steamship lines that hadn't called Boston before, and now they're calling Boston. You're going into what, the Northern Europe, you're going into the Mediterranean, Middle East, Latin America. Talk about these new partnerships and these, the, the, the new calls that have come in. It, it's really incredible, and we're so thankful to our ocean carrier partners. Our brand new um, service that we've had now for almost a year is Zim. So very grateful to the partnership we've had with Zim. Zim really saw the potential with our infrastructure investments and also the fact that we have been speaking a long time about all of the furniture, apparel, and footwear in and out of New England that was coming out of Vietnam and Southeast Asia and needed to come through Boston. So we were able to have that win with Zim out of Vietnam, and they've now included uh, Jakarta, Indonesia, Port Klang, Malaysia, and other parts of Southeast Asia and South China. And following that, we now have um, two more additional Vietnam Vietnamese services for a total of three, um, also with MSC and then also with Costco and OOCL. Um, then, of course, we have the great partnership with Evergreen and the Ocean Alliance, 
um, out of North China. And then MSC continues to be our longest standing partner in continually investing in the sport, connecting us to North Europe, the Mediterranean, and also an express service out of Turkey and Greece, which is very exciting for us. Those three direct services from Vietnam are really exciting. How are you, how have your shipping partners reacted to, to this growth? You have to be getting good feedback. We're getting great feedback. We're so grateful for their investment, their commitment to Boston and the greater New England region. You know, Boston is America's oldest port. And for us to be able to evolve over centuries um, long and to understand what the needs are of the importers and exporters throughout New England and frankly, the Northeast, um, since the pandemic, we've seen more and more demand outside of the you know traditional New England states, more Connecticut, more upstate New York. We have customers in the Buffalo area. So to be able to expand that radius and service the needs and be able to help uh, customers save time, help them provide reliability and fluidity to their supply chain, the ocean carriers are definitely hearing the benefits from their direct customers. And then we also hear it from the port. So I, I think it's really paid dividends for all partners involved. You know, and this took this took some planning. For, for those that you don't know, Massachusetts is basically like on, on a, I mean, Boston is kind of like on a, on a landfill. So there had to be a giant dredging product project to make it uh, to make it deeper over there. Can you talk a little bit about this? Some people may not be familiar with that, but it took a it took a tremendous effort, and you did an amazing job. It's a tremendous effort. It's been a great partnership between Massport, the Army Corps of Engineers, and the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. And this was a project really over a decade in the making. Uh, this was a total of a five-year project. It was over the span of three different phases, um, but it finally was completed in June last year. So it's been completed, you know, it was on time, you know, within budget. And I think what's important is, you know, we were able to go from a 40-foot harbor to a 47-foot harbor, and then also 50 feet at the berth. And on top of that, we expanded our turning basin for our ocean carrier partners. We expanded that to 1,725 feet. And that was uh, really crucial for the 14,000 TEU vessels, which are now calling this port, to be able to turn outside of Boston Harbor and be able to transit into the reserve channel to access Conley Terminal. Uh, so it's been a huge win, and uh, all of the ocean carriers have been able to benefit from that project. Now, pre like 2020, what was the largest ship that could call Boston? I, I if I remember correctly, it was, uh, it was almost half that, wasn't it? Right. So the largest ship we um, called pre-pandemic was a 10,000 TEU vessel. And the largest we have handled now is 14,500 TEUs. That really opens up the sea. That is super powerful. And part of that is the new berths and those cranes we, we briefly mentioned. Talk about those berths and also why, why these, you can see them right there, why these cranes are unique. And if you look at them, you'll see the top crossbar. You probably know the technical term. That goes straight across. Yeah. You know, and it's great because, um, you know, they're very unique. Uh, we are in very close proximity to Logan International Airport, so the runway is right across from Conley Terminal, but we were able to specifically engineer these cranes to make sure that they worked within the parameters of any air draft restriction, but also be able to service the brand new vessels being built for the East Coast and that we're servicing other East Coast ports so we could maintain a competitive advantage for the New England market. Wow, wow. So, uh, and there was a landside terminal expansion too. What, is, what does that exactly mean? So it's been really exciting, and that's been with the help of some federal um, grants that we've received over the years as well, but expanding 30 acres of landside terminal capacity. And that's really crucial because we really, our value proposition is all predicated on the fact that we remain congestion-free. We were congestion-free throughout the pandemic. We are congestion-free right now. Uh, we have 30-minute truck turn times, 28 to 30 moves cranes an hour. 
many of the truckers are doing three to four dual transactions per day. And that's so important for them to be in and out and be able to access the warehousing and distribution throughout New England. So being able to build out more landside capacity, building out more reefer racking systems, which is crucial since seafood is one of our largest commodities in the port. Um, and we certainly make that commitment as part of our mission to the seafood industry. And then also working on things like a brand new gate, which should be opening up in Q3 later this year. That new gate will continue to help the trucking community and have more expanded gate offerings um, you know, for fluidity and letting the truckers access uh, the terminal in one continuous loop. Yeah, I, I was excited to see those reefer racking systems because uh, when I was out there, I used to do seafood. That's how I would clear imports on on seafood. And um, it's uh, if you're if you know Boston at all, that's a huge huge market down there. Does that uh, does that? Because I was going to ask you now with all the, these more calls and everything, you have to have more volume. So these the, the gate expansions and everything. How is terminal fluidity on all that stuff? It's been great. We still are very proud of the fact that truck turn times are within that 30 minutes. The crane productivity still remains in that 28 to 30 moves an hour time frame. And I think what is also crucial is the commitment we make to our ocean carriers with our excellent partnership with the union. And that includes 18 start times on the East Coast. It's one of the best offerings on the East Coast. So we want those ocean carriers to be in and out as quickly as possible. And then also offering seven-day labor availability which is so crucial for planning for the ocean carriers and downstream for the rest of the supply chain partners. So we're very excited about all these things we can offer, you know, because the name of the game is flexibility, agility, and fluidity. Now, how quick are you unloading ships these days? Are, are these new cranes, they pretty quick, they getting things unloaded? How many, like, how many are you doing an hour? Um, in hours, it's 28 to 30 is the crane moves per hour right now. Um, and it's really exciting because, um, you know, the union was under training, for a long time. So they understand, um, you know, the mechanisms of uh, operating these new cranes. And, um, you know, it depends on the loads of uh, how many containers are on each ship. But, you know, we're working ships same day, and then they're moving right on to their next destination. You know, shippers have a lot to consider, especially if they're considering a, a new port. And, you know, there's there's fear of the unknown and all of those kind of things. How is the, the handholding or at least the customer service over at Port of Boston for uh, guiding shippers through through their their freight? It's excellent. I, you know, obviously I'm biased, but I think our yeah. team is the best in the business. Um, you know, and you know, we're available all the time. We're all on our cell phones. There's no 1-800 number. Um, you know, vice presidents and C-level executives are calling my team or myself, whether it's six in the morning, six at night or 12 noon. Um, we're always answering the phone. We really try to make it as personalized as possible. And, and Boston, as you know, you know, this is such a great community, Boston and the greater New England cargo community. I, I really, truly am blessed that I get to work with such a wonderful group of professionals um, who all know and understand, and, and we all have the same goal of moving supply chain and, and keeping New England competitive in Massachusetts. So it's been really great, especially with the expanded services, um, welcoming new shippers to the port and footwear and furniture and golf apparel and auto parts. Now with the infrastructure and these new services, we've been able to expand and, and welcome new retailers and, and companies to, to the port. So, and part of the you know, part of the value proposition is that personalized customer service. You know, some of my most fun days in freight, as Jordan Graff, now I haven't like been a founder, but some of them have been taking port tours over at the Port of Boston and seeing how everything works over at Conley Terminal. Are y'all still doing that? Oh, yes, port tours. And it's the best time of year. You know, summer is a beautiful time to come for a port tour. So anytime, and, and I'm throwing it out there as I know this will be on LinkedIn. If somebody is interested in the port, please contact myself. Please contact my business development staff. 
we are always open to to giving a poor tour and showing firsthand the value proposition and really um, the wonderful reasons why you should consider Port of Boston in, as part of your supply chain and ocean freight strategy. Very, very cool. Well, people who want to learn more about Port of Boston, Lauren, where would I send them to? You can send them to massport.com slash Conley Terminal, and you can also check us out on LinkedIn, Port of Boston. Um, and also, you can always send me a note directly on my LinkedIn, and I can uh, help uh, set you up with members of my team. And we're always happy to help and, and expand our presence to anyone um, who's interested in utilizing our port. Well, I may be biased as a uh, as someone from Massachusetts, but I love seeing the port grow, and it's one of my favorite places to visit. So I'm very happy to see all the success that you're having over there. Thank you so much for stopping by today, and have an awesome weekend. Thank you. <laughs> have a great weekend. See you Take soon. Take care. Take care. Good Bye. stuff. I love that port. It's a good time. And um, it's, it's, it's a fun operation. Like those tours when you go to it, the cool thing is you can also bring like clients with you and stuff too. So if you want to bring them with you and see what's going on, definitely set one of those up. Get in touch with Lauren. Anyways, elsewhere. <laughs> Yo, Take a look at this. I mean, let's play this a couple of times because this is one of those things. Like this guy pulls a mind freak. Slight of hand. Now, if you're watching closely, if you look at the side of the road, you're going to see a person fall on the ground, right? That wasn't a pedestrian, although I think the cops thought it was. This guy's in his car. He must have turned on, like, cruise control or something. And as he's taking the turn, must have jumped across his seat and, like, jumped out the passenger side door. He rolls on the ground. This is like the magician drops the uh, the carpet trick. Chris Angel over here. These cops have no idea. They think he's just some person jumping out of the car. And then, like, Sonic the Hedgehog, he bounces off the ground, and all his coins go flying. He picks up his phone and then limps off. I don't How long do you think they were following that white car for? I have no idea. My team says they're still working with, uh, would you guys still working with John on the back? Should we jump to good news, bad news for a minute? All right, let's see. Well, they try to bring, well, they try to bring John up. We'll go to good news, bad news. Hit that ba-ba. Bad news, and good news. All right, good news. I haven't been over yet. There's one uh, maybe about two blocks from here. There's an AMC theater. And uh, the good news is that if you go, they got this bad boy over here. When you order your soda and your popcorn, they got this replica Optimus Prime tin. It comes fully loaded with the popcorn. In the cab of it, it holds your soda. And the smokestacks on it are the straws to think to drink from. The only bad thing about this thing is that it costs $50. But... I guess maybe it's like 35 because if you think about it, the movie theater is soda and a popcorn is going to run you like $15 these days. So like 35 But here's the thing, too. If you go on eBay, they're already hawking these things off for 99 bucks a piece, these Optimus Prime tins. <laughs> hey, well, it's like we have John now. We'll jump in. We'll get back to good news, bad news. We'll keep him waiting. It's John Lucini, COO of LTL at A. Dewey Pile. And John... If I'm not mistaken, you used to work over at New England Motor Freight. I was just talking to Lauren at Port of Boston. I am from Massachusetts myself, and I grew up looking at those New England Motor Freight trucks. I even have their falling flag truck right on my desk right here. Uh -huh. I'm originally from Rhode Island, and uh, yeah, I spent uh, six years at New England Motor Freight. Yeah, man, I, it, was, it was a sad, I remember when um, the news came out, they shut down, it was a, it was a sad day. Any New Englander, um, those trucks were ubiquitous. Um, no, it's also sad. You a Sox fan? You're over in Rhode Island, right? Uh, I am. I'm a Sox fan. I'm a Bruins fan. Love the Celts <laughs> and the Patriots. We need to get on track. We're kind of just middling over here in this Red Sox season, staying around 500, oh, yeah. four, 14 games behind. 
No sweat. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, real baseball doesn't start until October anyway. Yeah, you got to wait for the the Stanley Cup final to finish, right? Like that's that's when we're we're finally <laughs> that's true. in the baseball season. Well, hey, no doubt about it. Now you're over at A. Dewey Pile, and I believe you've been there for like over a decade now. And um, you come on, you bring a lot of leadership. You're you're running like they're you're, they're uh, you're doing alcohol, you're doing beverage. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing over at A. Dewey. Sure. So I've been here uh, 13 years, and uh, today we've got uh, about 4,000 people, 4,000 people on the team, and we got a we got a great company, privately held, family owned. We're about ready to celebrate our hundredth year in business with the same family ownership. Um, you know, between uh, I, I'm responsible for our LTL Solutions business unit, and and you're right, we are hauling alcohol and and beer, wine, and spirits uh, within our footprint. And uh, you know, we've got a, a big dedicated presence in our other business unit. We've got a warehouse and distribution business. And a, and a brokerage solution. So we're a, we're a full supply chain solutions company uh, for for our for our customers in, inside and outside of, the, of, our, of our northeast footprint. Well, I got to give you a little congratulations and a little cowbell. You won the Carrier Partner Award by the Blue the Brewers Supply Group. So that begs the question: What makes a good carrier in the alcohol and beverage delivery space? Uh. Providing on-time, damage-free service at a, at a competitive rate. That, uh, that, that gives us a, a sweet spot in the market. And, uh, again, it's the pile team every day that makes that happen for our customers, including the Brewer Supply Group. Interesting. Well, how does, how does for those that don't know, they've never handled beer or alcohol, Bev delivery. How does that work from the perspective of, of truckloads or LTL? Sure. So today uh, – <clears throat> In our in our uh, in our alcohol uh, initiative, you know, we're delivering from uh, the brewers, the microbrewers, to their distributors. Um, you know, we've got uh, we've got a unique service offering in the fleet where we uh, we ha- offer heated service. Now, why maybe you don't need that now this time of year? You know, heat uh, beer and alcohol is very sensitive to uh, to freezing. You can imagine uh, back in the old days when we were both a little bit younger, you, know, you leave a six-pack of beer in the backseat of your car in the middle of winter, and the next morning come out and, and the bottles would all be broken and, and there'd be a big mess. So in our, in our environment, we, uh, we, handle, uh, we offer protect from freeze service uh, seven days a week, 365 days a year when it's required. You know, additionally, we're, uh, we're looking at some refrigerated service because, you know, we understand that uh, those IPAs, those higher-end uh, alcoholic beverages with beers, um, you know, they require temperature control and, and they've got to be kept somewhere around 40 degrees. So, you know, we're uh, our speed to market. Uh, every, 98% of what we do delivers overnight. So, you know, if we're picking up a, uh, a microbrew shipment in, in Portland, Maine, we're delivering that to Boston uh, the next morning. Oh man, you just brought me back when I was uh, when I was a teenager. My parents went away one time. We threw a party at the house, and uh, we had some warm beer. So I threw one in the ice, like the ice maker, and you know, then you, you start drinking, you forget it's there. So the can exploded, and that's how I got busted for throwing a party at my house because I left the stupid can in the ice maker, man. <laughs> that's crazy. Well, that's how- crazy. There's, there, there's a lot of like, I, you know, it's funny. Beverage is interesting right now. I know a couple of port guys, um, three in the past two weeks who have told me that they've left doing port freight to go deliver beverage. But beverage can be a little bit more challenging than just like back in a 53 up to a dock. What goes in from like the truck to retail? 
So, so honestly, we're, we're you know we're 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 a middle mile provider. We're not really doing a lot of retail, but uh, for us, it's it's about route planning, making sure that uh, that those perishable shipments, those 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 shipments of beer and wine and spirits, we get them picked up on time, uh, and we get them delivered in the morning so that uh, those distributors can get them out to the to the end users. Whether it's a you know liquor store or another distributor, uh, we want to make sure that we uh, we're out those shipments early enough in the day so that they can be delivered on time and get that to get that brewer's product to the marketplace, and that's our value prop for our customers. Yeah, you know, I used to sell freight, and beverage was one of the hardest ones to get into because when you think about retailers, and you mentioned it with that temperature control, their brand is their their taste, their flavor, how this how this arrives, right? But when you talk to these beverage, no about it. What do they what do they value more? Is it price? Is it technology? Is it support? Or do you have to balance these? And and what is that balance? Hey, that's a Tim, that's a great question. It, it's all of the above. You know, we want to make it easier. We want to make it easy for the brewers where their core business is, you know, making the beer that tastes good, that gives them a, a, a unique position in the market that, you know, that keeps them uh, their their business growing each and every day. So in our case, we're providing technology. Uh, you know, whether it's billing information or shipping information, we're trying to provide rates that are easy to use so they know if they're shipping from Portland, Maine to, to Boston, Massachusetts, a pallet of, of, of their IPA might only cost 75 bucks or whatever it is. So, again, they know what their margin is. And, again, it helps them to be more competitive in their own business. And we want to take that burden away from them with our predictable on-time service. It's, you know, that's Again, we're you know we're providing that service three hundred the the protect from freeze service or or soon to be the uh, the, the the keep cool service you know three hundred sixty five days a year so that the, the quality of their product stays just the way they intend it and it gives them that 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 market position that they're they're looking for as they want their business to continue to grow so. Now, when we say tech, what kind of what kind of tech is is being used nowadays, or at least by A Dewey to uh, to manage this kind of stuff? Uh, so we have uh, we've got uh, proprietary customer facing technology that allows that uh, that brewer to log in. Uh, they've got a unique user ID and password. We'll create the bill of lading for them. We'll, and they can, you know, we'll create the bill of lading when they put in the the, the customer information. Uh, just essentially, all they have to do is punch in the destination zip code, and uh, again, we'll spit out the bill of lading once. Once we uh, have that information and we'll set up a pickup in our in our enterprise or ERP system. And again, so it, it makes their life a lot easier, again, with uh, with simplified pricing. Again, they know what they're going to pay. The, 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 the documentation's created. And essentially, we've we've scheduled the pickup in our network so that we know what kind of shipments, what kind of room they need on our truck to get their uh, get the products to the end user. Hey, let's say I'm a microbrewer, right? And I and I got my new uh, I got my new craft beer, and everyone's loving the thing. And I'm like, man, I got some wider distribution. I need a big carrier. I need an A Dewey. What are the what does a microbrew on the rise need to know when interfacing with a carrier like yours? Uh, they want to know that uh, the speed to market. Again, you know, at, at the end of the day, our value prop is making sure that uh, you know we get their beer where it needs to go. Uh, when that distributor is expecting it, because if, if if we fail them, and you can imagine if you lose a lose a skid or two of of, uh, of a nice IPA in your network, uh, it doesn't it gets you know gets stale pretty quick, especially if it's not protected with either heat or cool. And uh, you know we we just want to help facilitate that and give those brewers those microbrewers 
uh, peace of mind that uh, we're going to certainly exceed their, their service expectations so they can continue to focus on their core competency, and that's brewing beer. And again, in our case, you know, we're, we're, bringing, uh, we're bringing the hops and malt into them, and in some cases, cans and packaging materials. And then at the same time that we're making those deliveries, we're, you know, we might be taking their, their outbound shipments again from using the, the Portland, Maine to, to Boston, Mass, or Providence, Rhode Island. So, again, it's, it's really the ease of doing business with Pile, again, support, you know, taking care of their supply chain needs, uh, inbound and outbound, to, so they can focus on their core competency. And as we talked about, that's, that's brewing beer. You know, truckload, like full truckload, that market, especially spot market, has been getting beat up for the past year. What's going on in beverage? People people drinking more, people drinking less, more freight moving. What are you seeing? Uh, you know, beer like food is is recession proof. Like usually when uh, the economy's uh, contracting, there's ten, ten, consumption tends to go up. I know at least it does in my house. So, um, you know, it's, it's one of those recession proof types of industries that uh, the market is stable. Uh, you know, there's been a there's been a, a growth, a huge growth with the microbrewers, especially in in our footprint in, in northern New England and New York State. And it's it's really been a nice niche market for us. Wow. Really cool. What's uh, what do you have uh, planned for uh, this summer? Any anything new to announce? Anything cool coming up? Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to open three LTL service centers uh, later on this year. Uh, we're going to open probably in metropolitan New York or Mass Beth, New York. We're planning to open in Charleston, West Virginia. And uh, we're planning to open in, in, in Bangor, Maine. You know, uh, our uh, our uh, warehouse and distribution business is about ready to open a 326,000 square foot warehouse in Allentown, Pennsylvania, which is uh, which is a distribution hotbed. And we're really looking forward to, uh, to that growth in our network. And again, plug in the pile brand. It's been around 100 years deeper into our customer customer supply chain so that uh, you know they can they can come to you know one 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 stop shopping if you will whether it's beer import export wine spirits warehouse needs dedicated service offering uh, you know we're, we're the carrier that can do that wow are you getting any of that Canadian wildfire air over there by the way I forgot to ask Lauren over in Boston oh, oh yeah oh man oh yeah the, the Did we lose him? Oh, man. Well, it's, well, good. Uh, we might have to breathe easy over there. Go, go check out A Dude Pile, right? You got some liquor, you got some booze, any of that kind of stuff. Wish I could have said goodbye to the gentleman. Always love talking to a New Englander. But uh, hey, go Sox, John, if you're listening, and uh, we'll catch up with you next time. But let's get back to good news, bad news. I had one more thing to say on this. This Optimus Prime, I was talking about this yesterday. And then uh, Shiler Sky Boyd, the Pharaoh of Freight. The Sultan of Service, not the Sultan of Sonar. He said, thanks to you, I now have my favorite desk ornament ever. Can we take a look at that Optimus Prime that Skyler sent me? There we go. Look at that thing. That's what it looks like at a desk when you take the popcorn out of it and you just put, uh, you know, your toenail clippers and some pencils and some paper clips, all that kind of stuff. Really cool. AMC Theaters, 50 bucks. You won't remember you spent it, right? After like a few weeks, launder it through your kid, Right. A little harder for me. My kids are away right now. If they're with me, I would like, be like, you need to get one of these. Anyways, bad news. You're a trucker with a flat tire. Worse news, the butterfly effect is real. It's damn real. Take a look at what happened to my buddy trucker, Q Modi. He says, the butterfly effect is real. This flat tire that I got 
just got, this flat tire that I got just pushes my ETA to Denver back, which means that I have to deliver this load I have instead of dropping it off, which means that I won't have enough hours to deliver in South Carolina on Monday, which means less money for me. Damn. That's the impact of delays. Just on a driver. Just on a driver. Guy making his his living moving the truck around. Keep your partners moving, man. Keep them moving, and they'll love you because they're making money doing it. Everything's a butterfly effect in supply chain, isn't it? It's time to rate some strap work. Let's see what the uh, see what the fools on the road got for us today. Okay, person in a minivan driving down the road. Passenger's got the door open on the side of the minivan, and he's holding a couch on the top of it. And his only securement, his only strap, it appears to be, is holding on to the seatbelt. Looks incredibly dangerous. Paul McClellan says, "Are they filming the Fast and the Futon?" Shooby-Doo says, "That is one lazy boy." And uh, Chris Burrow says, "Episode of Fear Factor here." Back in the day, I used to want to go on Fear Factor. And the one thing that kept me was, like, I felt like I could do the physical challenges, you know? You saw me in that race car. I didn't back off. But the problem is when they make you eat, like, blood clots and stuff like that or, like, sit and, like, or eat cockroaches, I just can't do it. I just don't got the stomach for that, man. I just don't got the cast iron pit in that belly. Some of you do that? You like to eat gross stuff? Can I challenge you? You want to have a little Fear Factor on what the truck in Cleveland? How about it? We got another strap work right here. Let's see what else is happening on the road. It's probably going to be that frightening. That Duick power oh, is yeah. real. Portland, they do this kind of shit. Bam! Nothing but horsepower. Check it out. This keeps going at Duick. Man. That Duick power is real. The Portland, they do this you can mute that. Casey Jenkins says, I had to watch this a few times to fully grasp what was going on here. She says, 15 out of 10 for faith in those straps, 12 out of 10 for creativity, 0 out of 10 for safety and stability, 10 out of 10 for shock and awe factor, 3 out of 10 for ticket potential, because it would take someone a few passes to grasp the setup here. Yeah, it just keeps going. It's kind of like a uh, Russian nesting doll of um, disastrous strap work. A lot of fires out there, everybody. A lot of fires. Even when you're on the water, there's one going on right now. Take a look at what's happening here on the water. Maritime Executive reports the National Search and Rescue Center of the National Guard from the UA, from the United Arab Emirates is reporting that it assisted an MSC container ship registered in Panama that was experiencing a fire while in territorial waters. They say that a helicopter had to evacuate a crew member who's believed to have suffered severe burns. The report only indicates that the crew member was taken to a hospital to receive necessary treatment. Hopefully he's okay. That doesn't look good. Right before I came on air, if you're on like my Twitter, I saw a guy driving down the road with his boat on fire. I mean, just everything out there. Those of you in the uh, the Northeast and Canada, you're in that Brett stuff, man. I hope you're all safe. I'm thinking about you. I got family up that way. All right, want to see something cool here? We've had so much like disaster. Let's go to something good. Let's let's talk about bad news. You got to ship a whale to the Georgia Aquarium. Good news is you know the pros. Let's learn a little bit about how this happens. It's midnight. Right now, we're just waiting for Whisper to be offloaded from the truck. We're so excited and we're anxious and we're just ready to, to get these guys. EMAC is moving from an aquarium in Texas and Whisper from one in Florida. Throughout their transport, they were accompanied by veterinarians and our staff, as well as staff from their own facilities that they were familiar with to make sure that they're comfortable throughout their journey. This is our tail side facing us. We're going to go straight in and we're going to turn to the left. We're going to offload Whisper first and move her over into our beluga whale secondary pool, which is just adjacent to our main habitat. Please count out breaths. Breath. 
their breathing, uh, whether it increases or decreases, could give us some indication of how they're faring through the move. All right, pivot. Oh, I know. Good. I just gotta relax a little bit longer. Good, stop. All right, who's on her hoist? Just keep going up, okay? That's good, Coleman. Hey okay, guys, let's push this box out of the way. Good girl. Brad? Stephanie, can you get some ice? Is that ice going on her? Yeah. Okay, let's go. The stretcher that we use to lift the whales is made out of a soft nylon that's lined with a fleece that helps protect the animals. It supports their weight while they're lifted out of the water and then cradles them while they're in the transport carrier. Okay, we're gonna go all the way up. Watch your flukes, please. Remember, everyone, gentle movements when we're in. Okay, stop. Okay, we're gonna float her over the pole on the north side. Good girl. Very calm. Amazing, amazing. Those of you out there, have you ever handled anything really as cool as pulling a whale? Reach out to me, tduner at freightwaves.com. That's T-D-O-O-N-E-R at freightwaves.com. Would love, love to hear the story around that one. Looks really, really cool. I don't know. I still got to go to the Georgia Aquarium. You know, we were down, we've been out here for four years now, but I've only been to Atlanta a few times. Transparency 19, I went to a Braves game. I went to that racetrack at Atlanta Motor Speedway. But now that I know how to get there... I gotta go to that Georgia Aquarium. I hear they have a giant whale shark, too. You can walk through that tunnel. Now, we got an aquarium right down the street, but I don't know. Georgia might be a little bit better. Anyways, coming up, I taught, you heard me talk to Jordan about it. He's gonna be there. Are you gonna be there? It's June 21st to June 22nd. Future of supply chain. We're creating a blueprint for the future. That's right. Join us June 21st, 22nd, 2023 at the Huntington Convention Center in Cleveland, Ohio to learn firsthand how companies are digitally transforming their management of their supply chains. They're navigating the bloodbath. They're navigating container getting. Wait, no, container getting. That's old news. They're navigating uh, the container shortage. Well, that's old news, too. They're navigating the freight shortage. They're navigating the freight recession. It's all going to come together as rapid-fire demos. Sponsor kiosks, some great keynotes, but even better. I mean, the reason you're coming is because what the truck will be there, isn't it? We got two live sets coming from there. And I believe Tony Mulvey and me are also giving away the Shipper of Choice Award this year. Who earned it? Who earned the Shipper of Choice Award? Did you? Did you? Live.freightwaves.com. I don't really have time for this one. I didn't have the video, but I got to talk really quick. You guys see the video of the alien? The alien over in California, Southern California? This kid said that a, uh, like a UFO crashed in his backyard and he saw like an eight or ten foot alien. Of course, there's no footage of the actual alien. The, um, the 911 call seemed a little sus. The cops didn't seem to take it very seriously despite what this guy is saying. They're like, if it comes back, you guys take care of it yourself. I don't know. Peter Brady's UFO is a little more convincing. I want to believe, though. I saw a UFO in 2004. I mean, by UFO, I mean something I couldn't identify. It just moved in San Clemente faster in the sky than anything earthly. But it could have been a missile. There's a military base by there. Anyways, we've had a great week. Go find all your episodes of What the Truck over, um, you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere else. Look at the top there. Subscribe. Find me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. And now I'm going to let Zay the Truck Driver find him at BrokenSword25 on Twitter. Play us off and send us the weekend. Take it away, Zay! <laughs>